Hey, what's up? My name is Jason. I'm the pastor of Church in the Wild. Thank you for joining us in the wild, where we have sermons, conversations, interests, all the things that make us who we are. Thanks for jumping on here. You matter. Hey, all you wonderful married people out there. <laughs> Hope you're having a good week. It's Christmas week. Uh, man, I feel like the year just began and now it's Christmas. It was the, the weirdest year. Um, I'm really excited to continue this um, looking at our marriage moments. And I'm, I'm excited for this one. This message um, is actually going to be part of a series that we are going to begin in January called How Not to Build a Home. And if you have thin skin, um, how not to build a home is going to be uh, pretty, pretty intense. Um, it is a look at things that we culturally do and we do because of sin um, and selfishness and, and things that we do wrong in trying to build homes nowadays. And it's a look at how the Bible actually wants us to uh, build homes. So uh, I'm pumped for that series. That series is... Um, how Not to Build a Home. It starts January 10th, I believe, and um, it runs for about six to eight weeks. And then we do a series called The Way of the Buffalo, which is a look at um, how to survive storms. And it's just, um, I'm, I'm pumped for this year's sermon. So um, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And it starts off like this, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the women as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, there is so much to unpack in this passage, so we're going to try to unpack it. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, the word likewise is in there for a reason. Um, actually, 1 Peter 3, there's six verses talking to women. And um, then verse 7 set starts off, likewise, for the reason that it's reminding the men, hey, what we're teaching the women, you, you need to remember that too. And then it begins verse 7, which is like, hey, men, and likewise. So it's including both parts of um, the, the married couple in here to remind us, like, none of this is exclusive to one side or the other. Make sure that you're trying your best to do all of these things. So let's, let's look at what it says. Um, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. What does that mean, right? That actually means learning and, and growing in knowledge. So in other words, living, um, live with your wife in an understanding way means learning and growing and seeking knowledge on how best to live with your spouse. So, in other words, learning for the men, her. For the women, learning him. Studying your spouse. Learning your spouse. Watching your spouse and saying, okay, um, how do I learn you better? How do I get to know you better? Um, learning the kids. How do I best help out with the kids? Learning your spouse's interests, your spouse's jobs. How do I best help out in these areas? What can I do to help? Learning them. Getting to know each other. Talking to each other. Listen, married couples, you did not just date before you were married and learn about each other. And then once you're married and you have kids, you no longer need any of that. That's not the way the Bible works. 
plays this out. You're supposed to continue to learn more about your spouse. As your marriage goes longer and longer, you should know them better. You should work harder to know them better. Talk to each other. Ask them. How do I get to know someone better? I ask them. Hey, how does this make you feel before I do it? Hey, before we go here, how does this make you feel? Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, before I do this, what do you think about this? Hey, and talking and learning and, and according to the Bible, studying in an uh, understanding way, seeking to know them better. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, don't get offended at that. It doesn't mean spiritually, it doesn't mean emotionally, it doesn't mean any of these other things, it simply means physically. And this passage is in here just to remind men, in the day and age that they were living in, they needed to be reminded, hey, your wife can't physically do some of the tasks that you're doing as well as you can do. It's a physical way. So for, for us um, men, hey, this is a reminder, protect your spouse, but also Honor your spouse. Don't treat her like one of the boys. Your wife's not one of the boys. Your wife's not um, one of the one of your buddies. We'll see in just a second what this means. It actually means that she's so much above that. But but protect her. Don't talk to her like, hey, what's up, dude? I, I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I call my wife bro, or I call my wife dude. Hey, dude, did you see this? And then I'm like, oh, you're 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 not. You're you're better than that. You're above that. And not only do we need to protect her, but we, we need to honor her. Honor your wife. Honor your husband. Honor each other. Protect each other. Could be like, I'm trying really hard to not preach. I gotta say this the right way to you. When did we become okay with us shredding our spouse and being the one who mocks our spouse rather than the one who protects our spouse from attack from others? You should be defending your spouse from attack, not attacking your spouse. You should be the one who's, hey, don't talk about my, my wife like that. Don't talk about my husband like that. You don't know what they went through. You don't know what that. And we ought to be protecting and defending and honoring rather than attacking. The world is going to attack your marriage enough. You don't need to attack your spouse anymore. The world is going to try to tear your spouse down. You don't need to. Coworkers are going to attack your spouse. You don't need to. Friends are going to criticize your spouse. You don't need to. People are going to question your spouse. You should defend them and honor them and lift them up. We ought to be the people who other, other couples are like, oh my gosh, like, they're constantly like, oh, my spouse is the best. Not, my spouse is the worst. We shouldn't have, you know, in our groups, our groups, married group, women's group, it should not be time for us to complain about our spouse. It should be time for us to lift up and protect and defend and honor our spouse. Boys night out should not be, oh, I just had to get away from my spouse. I can't stand her. 
It should be, man, my spouse is amazing, and I'm so glad that I was able to go to this. Ladies, brunch should not be, oh, you, you, don't, you don't know how bad my husband is. It should be, yeah, my husband, he has flaws, but boy, let me tell you what he's good at. We ought to honor and protect each other. And then number three, show, uh, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Get to know them. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And look at this. This is crazy. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says um, in verse 4, To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's, the, that's that, that promise right there. That's the, the inheritance you're receiving. So think about it this way. You are married to a queen or a king. You are married to someone who has a heavenly kingship or a heavenly queenship. They are having a heavenly inheritance. You are married. Husbands, you're married to a queen. We're married to queens. We ought to think about this. Wives, you're married to kings. Think about it like this. How would you treat a queen if she came to your house? That's how you should treat your wife. Preaching to myself right now. How would you treat a king if he came to your house? That's how you should treat your husband. You're receiving an eternal inheritance, a kingship, a queenship. And then look at the very end of the verse. This is a very convicting end of the verse. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Now... There's only three times in the Bible that this, this idea of prayers being hindered are brought up. Once, Daniel is praying about something, and the Bible says that the enemy was, was stopping the prayer from getting through. So they had to get an angel, and the angel helped. And then, I believe it's in James, where it says that we ask, but we don't receive because we ask to consume it on our lust. And then the, this, this passage right here, 1 Peter 3, 7, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, there's a couple theories about this, what this means, but um, in James, the Bible's very clear that if you ask to consume on your own lust, God's like, no, I'm not going to answer that prayer because it's just selfish, lustful. Oh, I need more, I need more, I need more. God, give me more, give me more, give me more. It's, it's a, a prayer that's um, for us to like just build ourself up. It's a selfish prayer. Which flies in the face of the people who are like, well, as long as you tell God he's got to do it, he will. God, give me, you know, I insist that God give me this money. God doesn't, God doesn't work that way. He's not a genie. He's the creator of the universe. That's not how God works. I know there's preachers out there who name it and claim it. As long as you name it and claim it, God will... Well, that's not how the Bible works. It's not, it's not a biblical idea. That's not how the creator of the universe works. He's not genie. This is not Aladdin. He is our creator. Let that sink in for a second. But he says in the end of this passage, Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So it could mean that our prayers are hindered because they're selfish prayers. So because we're being selfish, God doesn't answer prayers, you know, because we're like, God, make my spouse better. And God's like, no, 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 you treat your spouse that you have better. Um, you know, I, I, I knew someone one time who 
they were praying, God, take my spouse so I can get a better one. And that's not a biblical idea at all. God's not answering that prayer. God's saying, hey, pray instead that you'll become a better spouse. Pray that you'll be a better husband. Pray that you'll be a better wife rather than pray for a better one to show up or pray, God, help my wife to finally listen is not how God wants us to pray. It could mean that. It could also mean that because um, we're living separate lives and we're not honoring ourselves the way that we should, that, well, the, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So it could mean that because we're not praying together, God's not in the midst and like our prayers are, don't have as much power. Which reminds me, um, just the last point of this passage, get to know your wife, your, your husband, honor and protect your husband and your wife. Remember that they are a king and remember that they are a queen. And then lastly, pray together with them. Pray with them. Spend time praying with them. We, prayer should not be limited to God bless this food. You know, I, I used to go to a friend's house and his dad would pray, uh, I'm trying to remember how he would say it, bless the taters and meat and let's eat. That, that, I mean, that sounds clever, but that's not what prayer should be limited to. You're talking to the creator of the universe. So spend time with your spouse, pray for your spouse, and then pray with your spouse. This is how God wa wants our marriages to be. He wants our marriages to be marriages where we seek to know and understand our spouse better. He wants our marriages to be where we protect and we honor and defend our spouse. We remember that they are a king and a queen. They're a child of God. So we honor them and we lift them up and we give grace to them. We treat them as we would a king or a queen. And then we pray for them unselfishly and with them. And if we do that, our, our marriages will be these wild marriages. Marriages that just are wildly wonderful and amazing. If we can practice those four steps, our marriages will be, go from, from sad to glad. They'll be these wild, loving relationships. And that's my prayer for you. I, I hope and I pray that, that that's how your marriage looks because of this passage. I love you. I'm thankful for you. I hope this message uh, is, is a help. I cannot wait to preach on this in a sermon series. It's going to be exciting, but you get the first look at it. So lucky you, all right? <laughs> I love you. I'm thankful for you. You matter.